Welcome to Conversations and Connections with HBA Canada, the podcast that gives you access to industry leaders and offers valuable insights for career growth. We will be bringing you monthly episodes that include interviews with influential leaders and HBA members from healthcare and the life sciences, where they will offer career insights and key lessons they've learned. We will also be bringing you discussions highlighting essential career topics like networking, mentorship, finance, and more. Our podcast gives HPA members a chance to learn and grow together in their careers and their personal lives. Be part of the conversation as we aim to achieve our goal of getting more women into leadership roles. So don't delay and join us. Welcome back, listeners, to a very special holiday edition of the HBA podcast. I am so excited about today's episode. In our last episode, we spoke with the high performance coach and guru and just all around amazing person, Laura Caven. And I had the opportunity to speak with her after the show and hear her story. And I thought, It was the perfect opportunity with this holiday episode to have her back on, to tell her story, to be even more inspiring than she already is. And I'm just really excited for everyone to have this opportunity to get to know Laura a little bit more. So Laura, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's so nice to be back, Christina. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It is our pleasure and I'm so excited for all the opportunities we have to work together that's coming up in 2023. Actually, if you want to quickly tell the audience what you're doing with the Circle of Advisors, because we'll be announcing that, that's great too. Yeah, I would love to. I'm super excited to be a part of this initiative. So the Circle of Advisors program will be launching in early 23 and I'm going to be heading up the coaching for that so I'm super excited to be working with such an awesome group of women and women leaders in healthcare and very excited to develop a program specifically for them and their needs. Absolutely. So anyone that has thought about the circle of advisors, you're going to want to take this opportunity for sure to have the experience of working with Laura in that program. We had the opportunity last time to talk, you know, and I heard your story and I think there was a few times where my jaw even fell to the floor. I'm so happy that you want to share it with our listeners because, you know, it's gritty and it's guts and resilience and taking risks. I walked away so inspired with what you were able to do. So I just thought, let's just start at the beginning. And if you want to just start with what you were doing and we can just build on that and have a conversation. Thank you. So yeah, start at the beginning. One of the things that quite often I do when I'm coaching one-on-one with someone is try and understand where they've come from, right? Like what that programming has been in their life. And so in order to give you some context, maybe I should start right at the very beginning. As you know, and probably have guessed by my accent, I am not native to Canada. I grew up in Scotland which was an amazing place to grow up and I grew up in a single parent family with my mum and my big brother Paul who was just a few years older than me. My mum very courageously walked away from her marriage when we were just like maybe about six and three I think maybe something like that and sadly my dad had an addiction that got in the way of him showing up as his best self for himself and his family so that was a decision my mum made and as a result 
we grew up in a different upbringing, but I'm sure one that so many people can relate to having that single influence. I did have a relationship with my dad, although it was quite troubled through the years and it was always something that I was striving to fix from a young age. So there's like the first clue, right? Mm. Of me becoming the fixer in the family, <laughs> the pleaser in the family. And as a result of that, I was always trying to gain his love and approval, right? Mm -hmm. So quite often what happens when you look back on your childhood is I always ask clients, like, which parent were you seeking love from most? Because it's so interesting. It always opens up a really interesting conversation about their programming. So I was always seeking that love from my dad. And therefore, I became a bit of an overachiever, which allowed me to be noticed, right? And I thought then maybe if I did that, he would love me more. Or if I did this, and then the next thing. And so I got into the pattern of achieving and never being content it was always like okay what's next so I'm sure so many high performers can relate to this uh, even as a child <laughs> it was like achieve next achieve next just yeah. to try and get that recognition and through the years definitely maybe not so much academically but I was an athlete at school and really loved sport so that was how I showed up as a leader and in any organizations I was in I was always pinned as a leader I ended up playing hockey became my sport I'll call it field hockey on this podcast <laughs> because we're in North America every time I say hockey people think I can ice skate and I definitely can so I grew up playing mm -hmm. field hockey and eventually another reason was like maybe my dad will come and watch my games if I play for Scotland and eventually then I became the captain of the junior team so you can see the patterns emerging wow that must be mind-blowing to ask that question because mm -hmm. as you said it I was like oh would you think of that and this is why you're so good at what you do because then that <laughs> does explain a lot <laughs> Yeah, it starts to show you the patterns of behavior that then we might try and break or change or reframe or whatever, because we don't want to be a perpetual pleaser in our lives or a fixer or whatever the case may be. So after that, I was in high school. I had such a brilliant childhood, despite the little hardships, like everyone has a story. One of my friends told me she got a job at this golf club in the summer and she said, they need someone else. They need another server. Do you want a job? And I said, sure. There's a few turning points in my story and you'll hear them as we go through. And this was a turning point for me where I went to work at this golf club and I never realized it was local to me. I never realized it was like one of the leading clubs in the world and it was very exclusive and high end and ultra luxury and what? so I was yeah so like I was exposed to a world I'd never seen I was serving like film stars athletes I was serving you name it the who's who of Hollywood and politicians wow. and I'm seeing like private jets and helicopters and just a world that you maybe didn't see when you grew up in social housing yeah <laughs> You know, a world that you see in movies <laughs> exactly, exactly so in that experience I thought wow there's a whole world out there that I've never witnessed and I'd love to be a part of that and it really kicked in that driver in me that was like oh if I achieve this 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 and this you know yeah. that same thing so I worked there in my summer holidays of high school which was great fun made some amazing friendships learned so much and through that actually connected with we were owned by a company out in Arizona the golf club and, and through that actually was offered a job to go out and work in Arizona for a year for one of the guys in the head office 
as a nanny for his two and a half year old triplets. <laughs> oh my um, god. I know, right? So that was an experience. It was good fun and learned so much in that year. And then came back, Christina, with the full intention of going to university to become a PE teacher, literally all I'd ever dreamed of my whole life. And um, I came back and worked a summer at the golf club. And when I was there, my manager, my general manager said to me, hey, like, I recognize something in you. I see the fire in you. And I'd love to develop that. Would you stay here? And I'll put you through a general management training program and I'll pay you through mm-hmm. whatever school you want to do alongside that. And so he was the first person who really invested in me and saw that fire. And so I deferred university and ended up never going, but stayed at the golf club and worked around the departments. And I got a real good understanding of how to run an operation and run a business. When I was in the HR and training department, the manager at the time left and my boss thought that I was ready to take on a department. So at age 21, he gave me the HR and training department to run, which was interesting. It was good fun. Like I loved the training aspect. Mm -hmm. I could handle the legal side of things. But for me, I just think I had not enough life experience to be doing that kind of role. It was difficult. And when you have to fire people who are twice your age and like, I am such a feeler. I'm so intuitive and such a feeler that it was so difficult for me. So I was really fortunate because one of the members of the golf club then approached me about going to work for him in luxury golf travel. And I was like, yay, something else. And he wanted me to help him develop that business and work alongside him. So that was like my next move. Yes, folks. She said luxury golf travel. (laughs) I definitely want you to get into that and tell us some stories. Okay, so we were a golf tour operator and I absolutely loved that job and quickly climbed the ranks. I worked alongside my boss there and we worked so well together and um, I quickly climbed the ranks and, you know, I hit that glass ceiling pretty quickly. But we brought golfers over from mostly the US and into Ireland and Scotland to play on the top golf courses and stay in luxury hotels and et cetera, et cetera. I spent quite a bit of time out in New York, especially because most of our business came off Wall Street. So I spent a lot of time out there. And actually one year in the build up to Christmas, I was out there for six weeks working. And this is another pivotal moment in my story. So I was in my apartment one morning and I received a phone call and it was just an unfortunate phone call in my opinion. And in that moment, it's one of those like, Like I can take myself back to that moment right here, right now, where I was sitting in that apartment. Everything about that morning, I remember like crystal clear. And in that moment, Christina, I made a decision that I no longer wanted to work for anyone else, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't want someone else to have the pain to my story. I wanted to take the pain and write my own story. And so in that moment, I decided to quit my job. Oh, wow. So... I flew home at Christmas time, had, by this time I was like living through in like the golf capital of Scotland, St Andrews, where the real estate prices are very high. You know, I had a 100% mortgage that they were handing out at the time and I was on my own looking after all of that. And I had a really nice salary with the job. I was super grateful for that, but I knew in that moment I wanted to take my own path. And so I came home and I told I chose an amazing time to share this news with my mum and my brother. 
over Christmas dinner and that didn't land brilliantly. My mum was like freaking out, thinking like, how can you quit this job? You have a mortgage. I can't help you financially, like blah, 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 blah. Yeah, um, and I just kind of that blind faith you have in your 20s and I was like it's fine everything will be fine mum I'll figure it out and I had no idea what I was going to do or how I was going to figure it out but this is the one thing that I would like to coach people on is when you know yourself enough lean into what you know to be true so when you don't know the answer what evidence do you have to support it and my evidence that I had is that I always figure stuff out yeah and so that was the only evidence I had like I figured everything else out right I can figure this out so I worked out my three-month notice and finished up in March and it was the end of March and I set up my first company ever my amazing best friend worked at an advertising agency at the time so she built me like the front page of a website and her friend that created like five emails for me <laughs> And they were all just coming to my kitchen table that was actually a garden table because I couldn't even afford a kitchen table at the time. But it was like five email addresses, Laura at info at accounts at. And I had to like, yeah. there was no business. There was no business. <laughs> but there was a website and a dream and an idea and a vision. And so yeah. I set up my first company. And on that first day, I just started sending out some emails to people that I'd met and my phone rang. I was like so excited someone phoned me someone actually phoned me and then oh and it was a guy that I had met in Florida at the golf show a couple of years earlier and he started talking about oh I want to book a luxury golf trip blah 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 and I cut him off and I was like I'm so sorry that's not what I do anymore but I can point you back to my old company and they'll take amazing care of you and he was like absolutely not I don't know them I know you I met you I trust you I like you this is a high profile client so will you facilitate this for me so Christina I'm in the first day of my first business (laughs) ever so I'm like "Eh, sure it's not what I wanted to be doing but it was someone was willing to like trust me so I said sure and I asked all the normal questions how many people are traveling single rooms twin rooms what golf courses do you want to play it was they wanted to go to the Ryder Cup and they said it's high profile client so I said are you flying commercially or do you need me to organize a plane or are you bringing your own and he said oh no we're going to bring our own so I was like okay awesome I can maybe add an extra zero onto my bill now (laughs) oh my god (laughs) you know at the end I just said what's the lead name on the group and hey I know this to be true about Canadians, but I'm just going to say it anyway. This is a judgment-free zone, okay? (laughs) Always, Christina. He says, my friend, who's now become a friend, Ashley, said to me, oh, it's Donald Trump. And I nearly (laughs) fell off my chair. Now, this is 20 years ago, right? So at that point, everyone knew. The Apprentice was on, everyone knew. So I was just like trying to stay calm on my phone and at my little kitchen table that was really a garden table and say oh great okay no problem and then he said to me flippantly at the end of the conversation oh and Mr Trump would love to build a golf course or buy a golf course build or buy in Europe or European clubs and would you be interested in tendering for the contract (laughs) I'm sitting at this table kind of going yeah yeah first day of my first business ever and he said great can you be out in New York next week oh my gosh (laughs) that's wild so 
I had no money. I couldn't afford to fly to New York. But again, one of those moments, can you afford not to? Yeah. I would suggest not. So I had a concept and I am definitely not in the financial advising business. This is not anything I would recommend anyone else does. But my concept at the time in my 20s was credit cards are like saving in reverse, right? (laughs) Instead of saving up for something and then getting it, you can just get it and then save up. So I was like, I'll put my flights on the credit card and just hope and pray that, you know, my limit will let me get there and back because you can't give up this opportunity. No. So eight days later from starting my first company, I was out in New York again. And um, I was sitting in the ground floor of Trump Tower and I was with Ashley and he said, you're going to get 15 minutes with him. So we got in the elevator, we went up 26 floors to his office and I think my stomach stayed on the ground level. And we walked in and within 30 seconds of me speaking, he cut me off. And I was so nervous. I was so nervous. And he said, oh, you sound just like my mother. His mum was from Scotland. And he said, it's so nice to hear that accent again. And it just put me at such ease. And then, you know, I was told I would get the 15 minutes. And two and a half hours later, he hired me on the spot and asked me to set up his first European office. (laughs) So it was all a bit crazy. Yeah, a bit crazy. That is wild (laughs) oh my god I mean I have all the questions so you like this what were you like what was kind of like going through your head too as you're going up where you're like if I get this I'm gonna pivot were you still gonna try to do your or are you just like I'm just gonna lean into this 100% and if it works great if it doesn't great what was that sort of thought process you know what I think is really cool about that ego building phase that you're in when you're in your 20s is I don't think you think beyond yourself too much, which is g- great in these instances, right? <laughs> because I was just like so in that moment thinking, wow. of course, I'm not going to get this. Of course, there's going to be big companies in for this. and But this is an amazing experience and one that I can dine out on. I'm just going to have fun and yeah. just go for it. So I don't think I really honestly thought about the what ifs, but I was super nervous to meet him. And as we were going up, Ashley just threw it out there in the elevator. I call it a lift. You guys call it an elevator. (laughs) And he went, oh, by the way, Mr. Trump doesn't shake hands. And I was like, that is so weird. And it just threw me. So in that moment, going up in that elevator, all I could think about is how do you introduce yourself to someone now, after COVID, we all can do it. Yeah. But this 20 years ago, like in business, you always shook hands. So it was yeah. so strange coming out that lift and seeing him. He like walked over to us and I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, because yeah, you'd almost panic for a minute to go to put your Completely. hand out. Like, oh, I don't. So that's all I was thinking about in the lift. I wasn't thinking about what if or how am I going to do this or none of that. I was just thinking, oh, how am I going to say hello if he doesn't shake hands? But oh, he God. put his hand out to shake mine. So it was fine. It was all okay. And so did you have eight days to prepare a presentation? Or did you know enough that you could... I what knew was nothing. That? I knew oh. nothing <laughs> about anything. I still don't know that much about anything <laughs> but who does <laughs> who does yeah no I contacted a couple of people that I knew that could come and help you know put something together and we put something together as a team I think it's really hard to remember how wow. it all happened 
it was such a blur the whole thing but afterwards we went for drinks to the mandarin oriental in new york and everyone was like buying a couple of rounds and then i'm thinking oh my goodness it's, it's my turn but i had put the flights on the credit card right so i'm thinking what if my credit card doesn't work and i'm out here pretending to be this big business that only existed eight days ago yes so it came to my turn (laughs) and I went up to the bar to get the round of drinks for everyone and and thankfully my credit card worked and I was just like great I'll deal with it when I get home because it was hundreds of dollars like it was way beyond anything I was ever used to at that age and stage with the people that we'd gone to do the presentation with so crazy good times so then wild so then I had to learn fast. I had to learn on my feet and I had to do a press launch in two countries. I'd never even seen a press release at the time. Didn't know what one looked like, what it was, how to write one. I had to set up this simultaneous launch in the US and Europe. And so I had to learn quickly, Christina. I was on yeah. a steep learning curve. But what's cool is he knew that. He knew I was winging it for sure. But <laughs> like the one thing I would say is that he breathed so much belief into me that I worked so hard to deliver. That's awesome. So like, I know that might not be the perception that everyone has, but that was my experience where he breathed so much belief in. And so there was another like person breathing that belief into me again, when I maybe didn't have it for myself. That was that, came home, set up the office. And as a result, like my business then exploded because I had him as a client. Oh, yeah. And so I started like thinking that I was just amazing at business. <laughs> and um, I was subcontracting out work. I was earning lots of money. I just thought I was all that in a bag of chips, as we would say in the UK. <laughs> and then reality hit a couple of years later when the recession hit in 2008. And what happened was that all my work dried up overnight, Christina. Like it all just, and and all of a sudden I wasn't earning the money I'd been earning before. And I thought, oh, I need to pivot. I need to pivot here because I was making my money at that investment stage of businesses. And when there's no investing, there was no real business. So that was another turning point in my story where I was like, okay, now what? So one of the things I loved about all these times I've been in New York was I loved to get my nails done. I loved to get a massage before I got on a plane. And love so, it. yeah, and when in Scotland at the time, there was like, you could either get your nails done at the back of a hairdresser's or you were in a five-star resort, right? There was no kind of in-between. And I had this vision for a business that we could create a spa that was for everyone, and so naturally, with my business plan being like and get my nails done and having massages, I opened a spa in my hometown. I took on the lease of a 10-roomed property with a terrible lease. I should never have signed it. Anyway, I did. Oh. And again, my mum is like freaking out. She's saying, Laura, like, why maybe not start a bit smaller? And I kept saying, no, I've got a vision for what I want to create. And so my friend and I started this business. She was a what you would call an esthetician. And I had the vision for the business. So I was like, well, you do the treatments if I do the business. And that's what I did and opened this spa and and then built it up to where I had like 8,000 registered clients. And I ended up having 19 girls 
working with me. It was amazing, but it was a lot of work and a lot of fun. Amazing client base. Alongside all this, I forgot to mention, I met my husband actually on the Trump property in Scotland. So I met him. We got married. He had been married before, so he had kids. So I've got this new role in amongst all this new business as a stepmom to Leo and Eliza, who were like five and two and a half or something like that. And so that became a new role in my life. So I was running the spa. I also had another company at the time that I'd launched and I was in this new role as a wife and a stepmom. So I just thought I was amazing, honestly. Like I just kept thinking everything I touch turns to gold. I feel like you're like, you're clearly a very good businesswoman. This is blowing my mind. This is amazing. Obviously, like you're being humble. You've got to have the smarts. And also the fact that you just risked it and said, you know what? Let's just go all out. I'm going to do the, you know, big spa going all in. Takes courage. Yeah, I'm not shy on courage. And I love to coach (laughs) on courage, actually. And I think it's about seizing opportunities and seeing them first of all and seizing them second of all. So that, that part I'm not shy on at all but yeah it took a lot of work and a lot of failures don't get me wrong it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows there was a lot of hard times and you're paying 20 other people's mortgages before you pay your own every month when you're paying salaries and often you're putting money into the business instead of taking money out of the business but all in all it was brilliant and I did think that everything I touched turned to gold and (laughs) then the world shook me you know I like to say that I was shaken to be awakened because this ego was getting bigger and bigger and in 2012 my mum got called back after a routine mammogram and I was like cool I'll come with you we had to go to Glasgow we'll go get that done and then we'll go for lunch we were like absolutely just making it a girl's day out and you know I was like you probably just moved or something anyway that day she got taken up for the recall and then after they did a couple of biopsies we were taken into a room with a box of like tissues or you guys call it Kleenex on the table and I was like oh like something's weird here and we were told there and then that my mum had breast cancer and so that day like that was the first day of this big shake in my life yeah and then like she'd always be my rock Christina and the thought of anything happening to her just it took me to my knees literally and that I think was like another one of those big turning moments for me yeah so in that moment like I literally just dropped everything and thankfully you know I was in a position where I could put, you know, a manager into my business. I could run my other business as and when I needed to. But again, it was at the point where I had a team. And so it was fine. I was able to step out and just be fully invested in my mum. And actually, a couple of days later, my husband, who had his dream job at the time, he now, funnily enough, ironically, was the director of operations at that fancy golf club. I started that but he didn't work there when I worked there so that was like his dream job and he was called into the office and given a letter to say that his job was at risk of redundancy and I think we all know when you get the letter it's never a great sign is it so he lost his well-paid job but more importantly his dream job and it was like a real loss to him and in that moment I was of no support whatsoever to him like when I look back I feel bad because I was just so focused on my mum and I was like who cares it's just a job like my mum has cancer you know I wish now that 
when I look back, I could have been a bit more supportive. So that was two things that happened within the first week of this shake to awake time. And then a couple of weeks after that, my landlord in the spa told you I signed a really stupid lease. She sued me for $50,000 over a dispute we had about the roof of the building. So that was an inconvenience. And then what else happened in that period? There was so much like, but the ultimate thing that happened in that six week period was that my husband was in the supermarket one Sunday morning and he received a call from his ex-father-in-law to see that his ex-wife had passed away suddenly. And so our whole world changed in that moment because I became a mum to two little kids that I had taken on holiday and had at weekends. My whole world just changed and as did theirs, obviously, and my whole focus. So that whole six-week period was like blow after blow after blow. And I tell you it not for sympathy. I tell you it because it was in a sense, the greatest gift of my life, all of that happening. And, and as it always is, any struggle that you've been through, Christina, if you look back in hindsight, did it happen for you or did it happen to you? Mm-hmm. It happens for you, right? Yeah. So when I look back, my mum is super healthy. She's coming out here in a week and a half to spend Christmas <sighs> with me. Yeah. <laughs> And my husband went on to get a higher position, which then led to him being recruited for a job in Canada where we emigrated and my mum's health. And yeah, as to the landlord, I just paid her out of work to stop fighting because I just, my mum needed my fight. It was just money, didn't matter. And then obviously inheriting two amazing kids, Leo and Eliza has been truly the greatest gift of my life and I just feel so blessed to have had the role as their mum as a result of that trauma so that was a period in my life that gave me the most profound shift and there's been all these little shift shifts but that was a period that pointed me to wanting to be the best version of me yeah and so when we emigrated to Canada that first six months was like get the house set up, get the kids into schools, get bank accounts, social insurance numbers, (laughs) like all the stuff you need to do as an immigrant and figuring out how to live in another country. Um, But after six months, it got to that first Christmas. We came in the summer of 2017. I was truly so disconnected with myself, Christina. I just, I felt lost. I didn't, like, I just didn't feel like there was enough in my life. And so I was working with my own high performance coach at the time. And one thing I would say is when I was on the taxi into Trump Tower that day in my 20s, I had a business. I had no real business at the time, but I had a company that I'd registered, but I had a coach. I had a coach at the age of, from the age of 22, even though I couldn't afford to have a coach. And I absolutely, I credit a lot of the work and the achievements I've had to working with a coach because I was talking to him on the way into that meeting he was built again breathing that belief into me that when I didn't have it for myself and pushing me past my comfort zones so I was working with my coach when I was feeling a bit disillusioned in that first Christmas in Canada and I kept saying what am I going to do what am I going to do what am I going to do out here and she questioned me and challenged me and was like hey Laura rather who are you going to be in this next chapter And I was like, I could be a realtor and I can sell. And it just went back to that old pattern 
of achieve next, achieve next, and not connecting any meaning, any purpose, any like fulfillment to it. It was just about achievement. And when you're a high performer, and I work only with high performers, that is the doing piece is super easy for us. The success piece is quite easy, but it's the being part and the being able to feel fulfilled and avoid burnout and to be able to do what we truly are put here to do. So she really challenged me and my best friend came out to visit Canada at the same time and she challenged me also. And they were both like, who do you want to be? And you can impact people this way and that way. And so I arrived at the fact that I thought I wanted to become a coach and both of them were like, and so I flew to California and Christina, I just completely retrained and it 100% was the right thing for me to do. Like it is why I was put on this planet and know that all those roads led to coaching and led me to a career that gives me so much fulfillment to see others achieve such greatness and fulfill their potential and, you know, achieve all they can and so being a small part of that puzzle is just like truly the greatest gift of all. So long, long winded story about how I got here, but really speaks to the passion I have for helping other people mm. figure out their true calling and <laughs> what gives them the fulfillment and purpose and success without the, the hustle, success without the force and uh, learning how to be more in order to do more, in order to have more. But without that forcing energy and that next thing all the time and not being able to sit in your success for any length of time, I don't know if you can resonate. Tell me what's coming up for you. <laughs> oh, I can resonate. <laughs> it's The question I still have in my head is, who do you want to be? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I should probably figure out how to answer that one of these days. <laughs> I'm sure listeners, if you're nodding, yeah, we should, well, maybe do something, a seminar. Who should we be when we grow up, even though I'm about to turn 40? You know, that, that year for me of reckoning was my 40th year. Yeah. And I, okay, yeah. So I launched my business that year and it was a great time for me to have that kind of pivotal thought and think, who do I want to be in this next chapter? Not just what do I want to do all the time? What do I want to achieve? So I hope that's giving you some context as to my passion behind my coaching and how much I love what I do and how much I love to help others find their true calling and path. Of course. And I love too, that you have the experience because I think like being able to draw on that experience of having businesses going through that pivoting so many times, I think mm -hmm. that it, it's like you have that relatability. Like I've even related to you so many of the things that you said, it's like you almost, you had to like go through all of that before we go, what would you say to people who are in the crux of that sort of, they've got a few lemons and right. they're trying to figure things out or they need to pivot Maybe what would, before you go, what's your advice in those? Oh, roles? two things, <laughs> two things come up for me straight away. So perspective of just knowing that when you reflect back on periods of struggle, that it's happening for us, not to us. So keeping that perspective um, is really important. And also just trusting yourself trusting yourself that you are exactly where you're supposed to be and that you will figure this out 
And if you need help to do then I highly recommend in engaging with a professional who's trained to help you do that. But you lean on your truth, like I said earlier. Lean on your evidence. Have you got through hard stuff? And what did you learn from that? So perspective around just knowing that you will look back on this period and think that happened for me. And then as a result of that struggle, I'm now here. And also just trusting that you're exactly where you should be. And if something strikes a chord with you, then for sure reach out and we can explore it and then help you work through that. Oh, that's the perfect ending. And that is just brilliant. And then how can people reach out to you? I'll put a couple links, but what sort of would you recommend if people wanted to reach out to see if it was a good fit, the best way to contact you about coaching? I offer a free strategy session to anyone who would like to consider coaching with me purely for the, we need to see if we're a good fit for each other. So we need to make sure that we're a good fit and that I provide you with value before you decide if it's a great decision or not. So that's why I do that. So we can reach out and have a call with me for sure. You can reach me on any social platform. I'm just Laura Caven, L-O-R-A-C-A-V-E-N. So Insta, Facebook, LinkedIn, or my website, which is just lauracaven.com. Awesome. And I'll put links, you guys, in the show notes so that you can find all that quickly and find where you request your consultation so that to make it easy access to contacting you. But thank you so much. I, again, we had talked about this story, but I'm, I feel renewed. I'm inspired. I think I had to hold back tears a couple times because you gotta love a good empath. <laughs> But I just, I love that you're so real and so authentic and so honest. And I just wanted to really say thank you for, you know, opening up and sharing yourself with our HBA audience. Oh, thank you, Christina. It's such a pleasure and a privilege to do so. And I just hope that through my honesty and sharing that maybe somebody realizes that it's okay to fall down several times, dust yourself down, change direction. And if it's touched one person's heart, then I've done my job. I'm sure that it has. I have full faith. But all right, listeners, thank you so much for tuning into our special holiday episode. This has been a great season and we're going to start season three in January with a bang and everyone have a lovely holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs>